welcome you. I want you to feel right at home in the service as the Lord will allow you to do so. And I know that today and tomorrow will be busy days. Folks got lots of plans and things like that. Spend time with your family. I'll take the opportunity and do so. And it's a great blessing. This time of year is always a blessing. Always enjoy it. But uh, let's not be so busy and uh, our minds so preoccupied this morning with all the things that are going to come after that we miss the most important thing. And uh, I know that there'll be uh, food, and that's wonderful. And uh, there'll be gifts, and all that's wonderful. But uh, to be spiritually fed is way more important than all the rest. And uh, the greatest gift's already been given. And it wasn't wrapped in paper and put under a tree. But in reality, he was stripped in an open shame and hung on the tree. And uh, the Scriptures say, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And that is right. There's no describing Him this morning. If you ever try... Not saying at times we ought not to try, and the Lord touches our heart and testimony or whatever. Sometimes we try. I think a writer wrote a song, something to the effect. Sometimes I try to say what Jesus means to me, and they said I find myself searching for words to say just what I mean. And He is unspeakable. And if you've ever been a recipient of that gift, you understand what I'm talking about. There's really no describing it or telling somebody that don't have it or never has experienced it, they won't understand until they experience it for themselves. But if anyone's ever experienced it, they'll understand whether the words come or not, what we mean when we say that unspeakable gift. I'm grateful this morning to be saved. I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. I couldn't think of any better thing to do on this day than be in the house of God with the people of God in recognition of what this day's all about. And so I'm grateful this morning we have this opportunity. I don't want to let it go by. I thought about, as we said, Wednesday night, it could be our last chance. could be our last time, our last service that we gather together in the house of God. And if it were our last opportunity, I think we'd take the opportunity to get in and get what the Lord has for us. You say, preacher, you don't know that this will be the last opportunity. I don't, but I also don't know that it won't be. And so I pray that the Lord will help us this morning to just get in and get whatever it is the Lord has in store for each of us. I want to leave here in a little while and say it's been good to be in the house of God and mean it. Leave different than we come. I want to, if we have, and we all do, I'm sure, we have gatherings and plans and places to go today. I'd like for the conversation to be about what God did in His house today. That maybe we might go away as those men and those people did as we mentioned on Wednesday night when they brought that man sick of the palsy in the house and they let up the roof and put him down. All the things happened. He uh, got his bed up and he began to walk. And the Bible said they walked away saying we have seen strange things today. What one of the gospels said. One of the other gospels said they said we never saw it on this fashion. And so I'd like for us to have conversations today about what the Lord did in the house of God among His people. Genesis chapter 32, if you have a copy of the Word of God, I'm going to turn with us. We'll be in the book of Genesis chapter number 32. I don't... 
claim to have a particular Christmas themed message as the world would see it, but the reality is Christmas about Christ, so if you preach about Him, it's a Christmas message. So I'm grateful to know that this morning. This has been on my heart, and I want to try my best by the help of God to give you what's on our heart if you'd pray for us that the Lord would touch us and help us. Genesis 32, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. All of us pretty know, pretty much well know this story, this scripture, and the events in Jacob's life that's brought us to this place. He has left home after stealing the blessing from Esau. He's been gone for 20 years. And word comes that Esau is coming to meet him. And Jacob is afraid. Jacob's always been a planner. He always sits down and tries to figure out a way to make things work in his favor. Sometimes it works. Most often it does not in Jacob's life. But the Bible says in verse 24 of Genesis 32, And Jacob was left alone. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast Thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. He said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Penal. For I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not, but the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning in this encounter that Jacob has with the Lord. Now, the Bible said in verse 24 that there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And there's been a lot of debate about who this man was or what this man was. Many have said that it was an angel of God. I think it was much more than just an angel. For the Bible said in verse 30 that Jacob called the place where he wrestled with this man, Penal, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I believe that according to the language of the Scripture here that Jacob is wrestling with the Lord. And he's wrestling, it's a, 
a word called a theophany, and that's a big word, but it just means the, the earthly appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. And I believe that's who Jacob is wrestling with. Now, uh, the story that brings us to this place is a lot of defeat and a lot of discouragement and a lot of despair. Jacob, of course, is loved by his mother and Esau by his father. Esau's a hunter and Jacob's father is going to die. He's getting old and, of course, Isaac is... uh, his eyes are waxing dim and he can't see and so he's going to bless Esau. He's going to bless both his sons but he's going to give the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn unto Esau. And so he tells Esau to go out and, and to shoot wild deer, venison, and bring it back and, and prepare it for him to eat and then he will bless him there. And of course, as Esau goes, uh, Jacob and his mother have this idea and she sends for a goat and she uh, prepares it and dresses it and puts the skin of the goat on uh, Jacob because Esau was a hairy man and, and she knew that, that, that Isaac was going to uh, use the other senses because he could not see and, and he goes in and he deceives his father. Now, Jacob goes in, prepares the meat, and, and Isaac says, your voice is like the voice of Jacob. But he said, I felt you, and you feel like Esau. And he blesses him there. And at the end of the blessing, Esau comes in and figures out what's going on. And Esau cries, and he says, bless me also, but it could not be done. Jacob only already had deceived Isaac and got the firstborn blessing there was no other firstborn blessing and so there was great conflict between Jacob and Esau insomuch that they his mother sends Jacob away she says I don't want my son to, to marry a wife of the daughters of Canaan but he said I want them to go to the land of my fathers and bury a wife from there and Esau's so upset. There's much in the Bible about what Esau felt and how Esau acted. Esau's angry. And the only thing on Esau's mind is to get vengeance. Yeah. And when the Bible said that, when Esau heard that it displeased his parents for them to marry of the daughters of Canaan and that Jacob had went away to marry of their land of their nativity, that Esau took to him the wife of the daughters of Canaan. Because he knew it displeased his parents. He didn't care about his parents. And he didn't care about Jacob. Because of all the things that it went on. He wanted a blessing. But the blessing had already been taken. And Esau could not come to grips with that. He could not come to terms with that. And he dealt with that for the rest of his life. And so Jacob goes away and he finds himself in the house of Laban, his mother's brother. And he there serves for one of his daughters by the name of Rachel. He wants Rachel, but Leah's given. And so the story goes that 20 years Jacob serves in the house of Laban. 20 years he's not seen his father or his mother. 20 years he's not seen Esau. And the last thing that he knows about Esau is all that Esau cared about was getting vengeance and getting even with Jacob. 
And so in Jacob's mind, Esau has spent the last 20 years trying to figure out a way to get even with him. Trying to figure out a way how to settle the score. And the word comes to Jacob. Esau is coming. Your brother's coming. And there's a great host. There's a troop coming with him. And so in Jacob's mind, Esau's coming not only to kill him, but it's going to kill his wives and his children and all that he has and take them. And so Jacob begins to try to figure out how he can get out of the mess he finds himself in. And that's been the story of Jacob from the beginning. He's always getting in a mess and always trying to figure out how to get out of it. And so he comes up with this plan. He separates his wives. He puts the most loved one in the back and he sends all the others first and the children and he said if Esau meets them and slays them then all the other will have time to escape and he gets together a prayers and he gets all of these camels and all these oxen and all these sheep and all these goods and he thinks that he can buy favor in the eyes of Esau that maybe if Esau meets this gift that his, his countenance will change his feelings will change and everything will be okay I'll make it through if Esau finds what I'm giving him and so he has this plan and he doesn't know that behind the, behind the scenes that God is working a different plan in the life of Jacob. Jacob sends his wife and his children and their servants over the four Jabbok's, what the Scriptures say. And he is left alone. Now, being alone, there are some things that Jacob has had to let go of. He's had to let go of his plans because he doesn't know whether or not this plan is going to work. He's hoping it will, but he doesn't know for sure. He sent away all his possessions. He sent away everything he holds precious. And he is there alone. And there wrestles a man with him till the breaking of the day. And the Bible said when he saw, he could not prevail against him. There's a lot of debate about that. I don't think there's any reason to get into that. When he saw he could not prevail against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And the sinew shrank, which meant that it kept Jacob's thigh out of joint. There was no repairing it. There was no fixing it. Jacob would be forever changed by what goes on on this day. And the Bible said that the, the Lord said, let me go. That's what's on my heart. And the Bible said, Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And the Lord touched my heart last night to preach this morning on hang on. That's what I want to preach on. Hang on. I look around in these days and it seems like there's so much against the people of God. And so much that's discouraging us and defeating us. And it seems like that many of the people of God, myself included, at times we find ourselves like Jacob so many times. We've tried to figure it out. We've tried to make plans, tried to make preparations, tried to make everything go right and everything that seems to go wrong in spite of all the plans and all the preparations that we've made. And we feel like we're losing on every side. But the Lord said to tell you this morning, just hang on, it's going to be all right. 
And I thought about it as Jacob is wrestling with this man. Now the Bible does not say that Jacob knew who this man was. There's not a lot of detail that goes on at the beginning. The Bible just leads us to the place where Jacob's alone and then this man, I don't know how he appeared, I don't know how he presented himself, I don't know how the wrestling match started, but the Bible said they wrestle together till the breaking of the day. And something in that wrestling must have clued Jacob in to who this man was. Because he said, let me go. And Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob said, I can't afford. Jacob wasn't being arrogant. Jacob wasn't being proud. As a matter of fact, Jacob is going to have to let go of his pride. And the Lord said, what's your name? And Jacob said, it's Jacob. He had to admit who he was. And the word Jacob means supplanter, a trickster, deceiver. And Jacob had to admit that that's who he was. He wasn't arrogant in this. He said, my life's at stake. I have no other choice. I need help. I'm not letting you go. I'm hanging on till you bless me. And so I wonder this morning, how about you? Will you hang on? Now Jacob had to let go of a lot of things, but he had a hold of the one person that could change all the things that were going wrong in Jacob's life. I don't know how much Jacob realized at the beginning who he was wrestling with. I don't know when it dawned on Jacob. I don't know when it got real in Jacob's life. When he touched his thigh. When he said, what's your name? When he changed his name and said, you're not Jacob anymore. You're Israel. You have power with God and with men and you'll prevail. I don't know when it all dawned on Jacob. But he come to the realization that he was wrestling face to face with God. And he said, I'm not letting go until some things change. I can't meet Esau in the shape I'm in. I can't do what I'm doing. I think Jacob personally had got to the place that he was tired of trying to make all these plans. He had made plans to marry Rachel and it didn't work out. He had made plans to serve for Leah and it didn't work out. He made plans to be good to Laban and it didn't work out. He made plans and it didn't work out. He listened to his mother and it didn't work out. Everything in Jacob's life was not working out. And Jacob felt like the plan he had made for Esau would be like all the rest and it probably wouldn't work out. But he had a hold of the one that could make a difference in his life. In reality, I thought, and I won't be very long this morning, I just got to give you what's on my heart and I'll be done. He had a hold of the power. That's what God put on my heart last night. Jacob had a hold of the power. And I want to tell you this morning, hang on to the power. Now I'm not talking about hanging on to be saved. I'm not talking about hang on to make it. I'm talking about something that will make a difference in your life. You better hang on to it. If you have to let go of some things that really don't matter, I think Jacob was brought to face to face with the reality that there were some things that he had fought so hard for, some things he had worked for, some things he had pressed for, that at this moment, Jacob realized they didn't matter as much as Jacob thought they did. But what did matter was hanging on to this man that could make a difference in Jacob's life. 
hanging on to the power. I'm going to tell you, it made a difference in Jacob's life. Uh, Jacob received a blessing on this day that only God could give Jacob. Uh, Jacob's in the night season, uh, not only literally, uh, but in his own mind. Uh, Jacob's in a dark place. Esau's coming. He fears for his life. And uh, not only his, uh, but the lives of his wives and children. Uh, but Jacob is going to have a hold of the one that can make Jacob have a brighter day. I'm going to tell you, I'm looking around. Not just here in the building. But I'm looking around as a whole among the people of God. And it seems like so many of the people of God are living in dark days and living in hard times. But I'm going to tell you about one. And I am telling you about one this morning who has the power to make it be a brighter day in your life. God never changed the fact. I want you to hear me this morning. God never changed the fact that Esau was coming. Esau still came. God never changed the fact that Jacob had already sent his wives and his children away and he's unsure of what's going to take place. But God changed Jacob and God changed the way Jacob looked at things and God changed the surroundings around Jacob because the Bible said he wrestled all night till the breaking of the day. And when everything was said and done, the Bible said the sun rose on Jacob. God literally gave him a brighter day. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, I know looking around the congregation, I don't know every problem, but I know some. Some of you are hurting on the inside. Some of your hearts break. Some of you are facing storms that you think you'll never come out alive on the other side. Some of you are praying for things that you prayed for for years and it don't seem like it'll ever come to pass. But I'm telling you this morning, hang on. Don't let go. Don't give up. There's a brighter day coming. And I'm not talking about just over yonder in the glory land. But I'm glad God can give a brighter day over here on this side. He can make the sun rise in the middle of the night for you. God can do whatever if he could stop the sun and make it move back for Joshua in the valley of Ajalon. If he could move the sundial back for Hezekiah, he can make the sun rise in the darkest midnight you've ever been in. And the sun rose on Jacob. I'm going to tell you the amazing thing. Now you can agree or disagree. I don't think had Jacob not had this experience with the Lord in 32. I think Genesis 33 would have been real different. I don't think there would have been. See, Jacob just didn't get a blessing. Jacob just didn't get his name changed from Jacob to Israel. Jacob just didn't get a brighter day. But the results of Genesis 33, I believe are a direct result of Genesis 32. And a brother who had been offended for 20 years, who wanted nothing more than to kill Jacob because of what he'd done. There's restoration that takes place in Genesis 33. So I'm telling you this morning, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, husband or wife, don't give up on that one that you think time's over for that you think there's no hope for that you've been praying so long for that you think they've gone too far and they're in too deep don't give up there's a brighter day coming we got one that can and will in our day just hang on I feel like in my spirit I know that things may be a little different I know 
The Spirit sometimes is affected. Our spirits are affected by plans and things we got to do. But I'm begging you this morning. I feel in my spirit that there's somebody, maybe multiple somebodies, that you felt like giving up here lately. You felt like throwing in the towel. You felt like it ain't worth praying. It ain't worth going to the house of God. It ain't worth reading. It ain't worth re- uh, uh, memorizing. It ain't worth meditating. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. I'm telling you this morning, God said, to hang on. The darkness is here, but the days are coming. I thought about I'll be done in just a minute I thought about Jacob held on to the power I'm going to tell you this morning hardest thing and I've said it many times hardest thing in your life that you'll ever do as a child of God is maintain your walk with God because there are so many distractions, there are so many deceptions, there are so many drawings from the world and from your flesh. There's so many wars inwardly. The outer man warring with the inner man. There's so many temptations. There's so many trials. There's so many avenues that make you feel like you want to give up. But God said, "Don't give up." He told me to tell you this morning to hang on. A brighter day's coming. One writer wrote, "Just hold on." A little longer helps on the way. And I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what's whirling around inside your soul, inside your mind. I don't know the doubts and the fears. I don't know the discouragement and the despair. But I'm telling you this morning that God said just hang on. I know the night is dark. I know the struggle's real. I know it feels like you're wrestling in that bread back book. There's a song said like Jacob in the days of old I wrestled with the Lord. There's wrestlings that go on in our spirit. Wrestlings to overcome unbelief. Wrestlers are to take God at His words. Wrestlers are to believe it can be so. And God said, just hang on. There's a brighter day coming. Hold on to the power. Then I thought about in the Scriptures, there's a man, I think it's in 2 Samuel 23, I believe. It's where the Word of God begins to list the names of the mighty men that David had. And among those, there's a bunch of them. We think about Shammah. He stood in the midst of a patch of lentils and defended it against the Philistines. And there's great types there. There's great uh, significance to that and others. But in the Scripture there, in 2 Samuel 23, there's the word or there's mention of a man by the name of Eliezer. And the Bible said his hand cleaves to the sword. He fights until his hand cleaves to the sword. And he can't do it any longer. He can't go any farther. And it seems like that everything he does and everything he fights against and everything he pushes with it feels like giving up. And the flesh oftentimes is weak and the flesh oftentimes fails us. But I'm glad and thankful when the flesh is weary and the flesh is weak. I'm glad there's somebody on the inside of the child of God that strengthens us and helps us and hopes us and picks us up. And I'm telling you this morning, there's a reason to hang on in the scripture it said that in that specific text the Eliezer is fighting against the Philistines him and two other men and all the other men of Israel have left to go to battle and while they're battling the Philistines come against Eliezer and the other two the armies are gone and so it's up to Eliezer and the others to defend the most precious things 
the wives and the children are left behind. And so Eliezer determines that he's going to hang on. And I'm going to tell you something this morning that the Lord spoke in my heart. We need some determination. We need some purposeness in our heart that we're going to hang on. But ultimately, we can't do it in our own power. I think Eliezer wanted to fight with everything in him. But the reality is, as we fight, our flesh gets weary and gets weak. But thank God for a bigger hand than Eliezer's. I think the reason Eliezer's hand claimed to the sword is that the hand of God wrapped around the hand of Eliezer and helped him hang on till the battle was over. I understand you look around in these days and it seems like the battle's hot and the battle's heavy and it's hard. I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm glad there's a hand bigger than ours that can reach around and help us hold on in the troubled times. Hold on in the midnight hour. Hold on in the dark days. Hold on in the hard days. I'm telling you this morning, you need to hold on. There's some... Precious see Jacob held on because he had done everything else he could do and nothing worked. Eliezer held on because somebody depended on him. And I'm telling you, I look around this morning and other services, and we got a lot of precious things that the Lord's entrusted us with. And they're dependent on us to hang on. These little young'uns around here are dependent on us to hang on. God help us to hang on for the precious things. And I thought, and I'm done. I thought about Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. Jacob's holding on to the power. Eliezer's holding on to the precious things. All Rahab can do is hold on to the promise. The spies are sent from Joshua into the land of Jericho. They find themselves not by coincidence, but by the work of God and the will of God in the house of Rahab the harlot. She said, we know what's coming. We know about your God. We've heard about Him. She said, our hearts melt like wax and we know that, you're going, that God's going to give you the victory over us. She said, but I have a request. She said, will you make a covenant with me? Will you give me a token that when you come in that you'll not destroy me? And they said, because of your kindness, they said, this is what we'll do. They said, you take this scarlet thread and you bind it in the window and you and your family all come in and you shut the door. And they said, as long as you're in the house and the scarlet thread's in the window, when we come into the land, they said, we'll not destroy you or anybody in your house as long as that scarlet thread's there. I'm going to tell you, the Bible is not specific about how long it was. The Bible's not specific about all the things that transpired. But I know that when the spies are gone, Rahab immediately binds the thread in the window and calls all her family to come in the house. And don't you think as the days passed that some on the outside said, Rahab, why are you in there? We've not seen you lately. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why you're doing what you're doing. Or maybe some on the inside are saying, Rahab, we need to go today. We want to go do something else. We want to go somewhere else. I'm going to tell you what Rahab said. She said, I'm holding on to the promise. She didn't have... Now Jacob was holding on. 
because he had done everything else. And Eliezer's holding on because somebody's depending on him. But Rahab's holding on because she don't have no hope in anything else except the promise. And they made her a promise that they were coming. And when they came, all they would be interested in, they weren't interested in who was in the house. They weren't interested in what their names were. They weren't interested in how many there were. They just said, when we see the scarlet thread, we won't destroy you. And she held to the promise. She held to the promise. And I'm going to tell you some days, it's all we can do to hang on. But I'm going to tell you, I thought last night, the Lord speaking to my heart, and I'm done. He said this. He said, when you can't hold on to nothing else, you can hold on to Him. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we're trying to hold on to a lot of things in our life, and we're losing ground. We're trying to hold on to things that are affecting the things that we ought to be holding on to, and it's a costing us. I'm going to tell you when it gets dark and lowly and your strength gets weak, when you can't hold on to anything or anybody else, you can hold on to Him. And I'm going to tell you it ain't so much of us holding on to Him. If my walk with Him and my eternal state with Him depended on how good I could hold on, I'd be in a mess. But it ain't so much me holding on to Him as it is He holding on to me. I'm glad this morning that He is. And I'm glad this morning there's hope beyond this life. Some of you may have come this morning discouraged. Some of you may have come this morning disappointed. Some of you may have come this morning heartbroken. But I'm telling you this morning, the Lord said to hang on. There's a better day coming. There's hope ahead. There's help ahead. Jacob said, I'll not let go until you bless me. He said, I'm going to hang on. I pray in these days. I know that dark days are here. And the reality is that I'm not trying to be a bear of bad news, but the reality is the Scriptures say it's going to get worse and worse. And I'm glad there's somebody we can hold on to. But even more than that, I'm glad He's holding on to us. I'm glad we have that anchor the soul both sure and steadfast and enters in the veil where Christ, the forerunner, entered for us. I'm glad the anchor holds. The writer said, though the ship's battered, though the sails are torn, I'm glad the anchor holds. And it ain't that the anchor is so strong, but it's what it's gripped in. One writer, old hymn writer wrote, my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And I'm glad tonight, this morning, that it does. And I'm trying to tell you this morning by help of the Lord in my feeble way, just to hang on. There's a brighter day and a better day coming. Father, I thank You this morning for the privilege and the opportunity to